Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I'm doing pretty fantastic because Shang-Chi is out. Yes. Yes. You know what? And there was a little bit of a fear, I think, in it getting pushed. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it didn't. Yeah. I'm always a fan of more options, but I'm so glad it didn't get delayed as well. Because it's, especially after the week that we've had on social media, where it felt mm-hmm. like one by one, so many big movies were being delayed. It's it's starting to be this creeping feeling like I like maybe Eternals, maybe Spider-Man might be mm-hmm. next in line. Yeah. But at least for now, we have Shang-Chi. I know. I Spider-Man goes without saying. Right, in terms of being mm-hmm. excited for. But I was really excited for Shang-Chi, so I'm glad it made it. Yeah, me too. And keep your eyes out on the feed, maybe this coming Tuesday, for a bonus quick reactions episode for Shang-Chi. So yeah. make sure you're subscribed so you know when that drops. Absolutely. But how are you doing, Jude? I'm doing well. My cousin, Paul, it was so funny because he even mentioned, because I, I jokingly said about the time travel uh-huh. and him listening to it. So yeah, he, he said, yeah, I heard you talk about me. He's actually still <laughs> here because of the hurricane mm-hmm. that hit. Oh no. Um, so, which is nice. Like I, it was a fantastic visit as he's listening. Uh, thank you for coming mm-hmm. to visit. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was, it was wonderful. He's welcome to stay as long as he wanted, but yeah. And so that was a fun, that was a fun week. And so I, I felt bad because this last night, or, you know, right before we started recording, I was already a little bit tired, you know, and I was rewatching What If to get my notes. And I don't know, I guess after a week, you know, it's like, oh, I guess by, by the week, you're like, look, this is just your place too. You're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> that's, unfortunately, that's what it seems like. Sorry, Paul. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All the hosting, like the, it's just gone. It's like, hey, man, I got to go do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, but it was tremendous. That's a special level of comfortability with somebody that you could have at that point. It's like, hey, you know where things are. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? He might be smiling and nodding his head as I say this. I think he really enjoyed Francis. Oh, I think nice. he really enjoyed the dog. Mm-hmm. Not the enough to take mascots. him. Yeah, not enough to take him home with him. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, but <laughs> is that is that your plea every time somebody comes and visits to get them to take the dog? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh man, I get that it's never going to happen. I just like my sandwiches. That's all. <laughs> I like to make and eat sandwiches in peace. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, it's it's an understandable ask of anyone, and I hope you find that peace someday. One day. <laughs> oh, man. And well, you, how are you? You know, I reached a new level of podcast researching today as I was taking notes. Where okay. We're not going to get into it yet, but I was watching on my iPad in one screen, and then like the iPad can do two screens. I was taking notes in the other. And it got to the point in the what if episode where I was like, huh, I wonder. And I pulled up the Doctor Strange movie on my phone. So I was watching both on my iPad and on my phone at the same time. And I just had to pause and think about like, wow, this is this is a lot. We joked about watching on two screens, but I'm actually (laughs) doing it. (laughs) 
so I'm, I'm curious any insights well I guess we'll have to get into that on the other side of the spoilers but any insights to having at the same time it was more just wanting to get a confirmation of something but uh, yeah uh, okay. I, I hope okay. I haven't yeah <laughs> but we'll see it when we get there yeah which hey if you downloaded this episode then you know we're going to be discussing what if season one episode four what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands so we're also doing a bit of an audible. If you've been listening uh, for the last few weeks, you know that the way we've been doing this is our pre-spoiler thoughts, which we are still going to do. But on the other side of the spoiler zone, we've decided instead of breaking it down by the most important topics, we're going to go back to an old method of reviewing these episodes, which is by doing the three-act structure breakdown. Um, mm-hmm. I think we had a very good conversation at the end of the last podcast when we were done recording about how given the short length of these episodes, it kind of felt like we were stretching the episode a little too thin and not covering everything that we wanted to cover with the most important topics. So with this change, we're really hoping to give it more of that attention we would like to since it is shorter than most of the other things we've gotten so far this year. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get into our pre-spoiler thoughts. So Jude, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode? Uh, I think I'm going to stick with what we posted on social media. Whoa, Uh that got dark. (laughs) This might be my favorite episode. Really? It might be. Mm -hmm. But man, it went dark. Yeah. I I really enjoyed it. I really liked... All the others felt like a cartoon, right? Mm -hmm. This didn't feel as cartoony as the others to me. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that was the thing I noticed. It it really didn't feel like a, as much of a cartoon to me, and just the the direction they took it. What about you? Pre spoiler thoughts. So following suit with you, I'll start with the one that we shared on social media as well at MC Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. I'm impressed by the way this series has given us so many variations on the multiverse premise. So mm-hmm. kind of quickly going through it, that first one with Captain Carter was a slight story deviation with a major character swap. T'Challa was a major story change and such a huge departure from the story we knew, whereas episode three was another major story deviation, but very minimal character swaps. And yeah. it's, it's, it's flexing these different ways to contextualize the multiverse, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm appreciating that. I think that's a fun look at the possibilities. Which, yeah. by the way, after we did the the voiceover intro for the What If Leech and Daniel episode, anytime I say possibilities, I'm immediately back into the <laughs> recording. <boom. laughs> well, I'm just going to start <laughs> muting the What If and play yours. <laughs> You know, we had this whole thing with Daredevil where I said watching the intro is a part of the experience. Because yeah. I did that, I almost want to skip the intro. I can't do it anymore. I ruined it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But getting, getting back to my pre-spoiler thoughts, we're not there yet. All of these have been individual stories so far. Mm-hmm. But I really am starting to get this feeling of a slow build between episodes that feels like it will be more connected by the end of this season. And we can mm-hmm. get into that once we get into the spoiler zone, but it, it's it's invoking feelings of the way WandaVision had those first three super stylized episodes. And then by yeah. episode four, you're like, oh, I get it. 
I see how right. this is all interconnecting. So I feel like that turn is coming. Yes. Mm. Okay, I was about to say something, but I got to wait for the... Can we use that instead of the normal one? <laughs> Maybe. Can you imagine if, if this was somebody's first episode and they were like, what was that? <laughs> <sighs> Look. Mm-hmm. I just went with it, man. I I just it was time. Just go with it. It was time. I got to <laughs> do one too. I'll I'll do one at some point before we end. <laughs> <sighs> well, as we were alluding to, we are getting ready to jump into the spoiler zone. Uh, but before we do, we just wanted to take time to remind people that if you are not already, uh, you should definitely be following us on social media at MC Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. You know, we've been doing some work in putting up bonus content. Uh, things that don't make the cut of the episode that you hear in your feed, as well as, uh, like we mentioned earlier, you get a taste of our pre-spoiler thoughts either on the day of or very relatively soon, since Monday is a bit of a wait. And another reason to follow is so you can share your reactions with us and we can read it on the podcast. Yeah. What you're about to hear is an audio cue, and on the other side of the cue, we'll be talking full spoilers for everything in the MCU. So, we'll see you on the other side. And we're back. We mentioned earlier we're going to be breaking things down by three acts instead of the most important topics. So, Act 1 is going to take us from the beginning of the episode all the way until the confrontation with the Ancient One, where Doctor Strange escapes to the library of Cagliostro. Starting with you, Jude, where would you like to start within this first act? My starting point is going to be Rachel McAdams. Okay. I think she was so good in this. Yeah. You watch these shows and... You can tell a difference, I think, sometimes in that, okay, your voice acting versus on set. Right. Like, I could hear a little difference in Benedict Cumberbatch when he's Dormammu, I came to bargain. And there's a slight difference. But Rachel McAdams, I didn't, I don't know, it just felt real. Yeah. And I think she was really good in this. For whatever reason, I was convinced going into this episode that it was confirmed somewhere that Benedict Cumberbatch was not going to be in this show. And it was like, I remember reading like a list of all the original actors that weren't going to be in it. And I could have sworn he was there. And so whenever he took his first word in the episode, I was like, that's actually him. And it just made it that much more delightful. And then the follow up with Rachel McAdams as well. I was like, oh man, this, mm -hmm. this is so going too. to be a treat. Yeah, I think so too. I I remember watching it and, well, Paul was here and we were both watching it together and it was like, that's Benedict? That sounds like Benedict. No, it's not Benedict. He wasn't going to be in this. No, it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Was it a surprise? That he was in it? Yeah. I was surprised. Were you surprised? I was surprised. <laughs> I meant, was it a, a design <laughs> surprise by I'm Marvel? Not sure. I'm not sure. But I, I, look, the only reason why I did that is anybody who's watched, I think it's glorious from Eddie Izzard is going to be <laughs> rolling right there. But okay. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Oh, man. Um, I think it's glorious. It might, it might be de indefinite article, but I'm pretty sure it's glorious. But yeah, no, I was surprised. Mm -hmm. And real quickly, I just wanted to play off something that you said about the difference in voice acting and acting. I think that Benedict Wong is one of the best translations of 
live action character to animated character. I, mm-hmm. I I don't think this made the podcast last week, but I was talking about in the Discord with friend Daniel how for me last week it was Michael Douglas. This week oh, yeah. it's one hundred percent Wong. He just feels so natural in the animated role that I really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, as much as I just said about Rachel McAdams, you're right. Wong mm-hmm. was really really good here too. Yeah, and not to take anything away from Benedict Cumberbatch, like like there, but it just they. They just jumped off, jumped off the screen for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. You know, I've been tracking this feeling that the watcher is tiptoeing into interfering in this multiverse. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the line where he said, we have watched how one moment, one choice can ripple across space and time. And he goes into that whole thing about like what would happen if somebody made the wrong choice. Yeah. For someone who cannot, will not interfere it feels like even the participation or even the opinion of something being the wrong choice feels like an active participation on his point. And so it's like we're watching this tension build until a moment where he will. And it's it's such a tease. Like, I think uh, I'm pulling it up ahead because it makes sense here. I think I wrote down somewhere later in my notes, the Watcher is the most interesting character to me that I just want more of and we haven't gotten <laughs> yet. Well, you know what? And they're and they're slowly introducing us more to him. Yeah. It feels you like know. there's more to him. So so let me ask you this. What did you think in this case was the choice? Because cause I don't really see a choice. Yeah, I I don't know if they gave us a choice. Because even at the beginning where they are going to an award ceremony together, that mm-hmm. never happened. Yeah. Like and and even um even them being on good terms, when we start in the movie, it's already an implied relationship that has gone wrong, and they're only working in a very um, professional sense. And this episode starts with a lot more familiar relationship. So whatever choice there was, it was already happened off screen. Yeah. Well, okay. So it's what if Dr. Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Right. That's the title. So for me, my first note was Strange isn't full of himself. So already that's mm-hmm. different. Remember, because he's not, it's, I don't see him in the beginning as this arrogant person. Like you can't lose your heart the, the way Strange did if he is at the start the way he was in the in the movie. Right. And, and And so for mm-hmm. me, like he doesn't get to go learn humility because... He loses in the movie, he loses his hands, he goes to fix his hands, and he has to learn humility. Here, he's not, he has the same drive to fix something, right? Mm-hmm. And what he lost was himself, and he's trying to fix himself. Here, he's trying to fix what he lost, which was Christine. Right. You know, and so, in, in that way, that to me, that was where the biggest difference was. And mm-hmm. like who he was as a person before then. Right. It's interesting to note, though, that in any universe, he's still a terrible driver, though. <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Uh-huh. Christine drove once. And they got <laughs> rear-ended a lot of those times. Right? This like, is getting very dark, but yes. <laughs> I mean, they got rear-ended a lot of those times. So it was not that he mm-hmm. was a terrible driver or Christine was a terrible driver. Yeah. 
you know, may, maybe it was the watcher of the TVA that was rear, kept rear-ending him to make sure this is what happens. Mm-hmm. This is before they invented those uh, those time vials. I already forgot what they were called, the, the reset charges. Yeah. You know, jokes aside, I did want to emphasize a little bit more because you're right. This is not a, a braggart that Stephen Strange was at the beginning of the movie. He was a lot more reserved. He was a lot more humble. And the thing that I think stuck out to me oddly was a throwaway line where Christine was talking about prices rights. Like you've never heard of prices, right? Mm-hmm. And Steven's like, no, I, what is that? And I genuinely believed him. I don't think he was playing it off. It's, you know, for somebody who took so much pride in trivia in that opening sequence of the movie where he was uh-huh. like performing surgery and like and naming the, music. the year. Yeah. yeah. It would, it's so no pun intended strange that this, this version of Dr. Strange doesn't have the cultural pop culture knowledge yeah. so that's a big change right there look and he was able to recognize it, the number one hit with the was it the flugelhorn the flugelhorn <laughs> or something like that yeah <laughs> yeah is that is that what it was I, I think that's what it was flugel flugelhorn is uh how it's like the musical thing isn't it then, then what was it i'm not sure but i <laughs> i don't know why that comes to mind mm-hmm. now i want to know okay now we have people need to reach us on social media. Yes, so I'm not going to take the time to look it up. It's not it's not a flugelhorn, but what is it that was the know. instrument and Doctor Strange pull over and park? <laughs> go to Twitter now. Go. Yeah, Let us know. To know. Oh, All right. Man. Joking Continue, aside. <laughs> <laughs> Joking aside, you know you brought up this idea of how like a person who loses their heart doesn't need to be humble. I think it made me appreciate something that I didn't internalize in the movie where it was two problems that Dr. Strange was facing. It was the humility, which I think is the easiest one, but it's also this idea of letting go. Mm -hmm. Uh, So much of the later half of that movie is him trying to get back to the life he had before he lost his hands. And it emphasizes the importance of that character flaw here when you i guess adapt the story from being his own personal well-being to the well-being of another because that that feeling of letting go resonates stronger in the external factor of somebody else Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense stumbling through that if that makes sense no 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 it makes sense it does it makes sense so Watching Christine die over and over was heartbreaking. I I want to let you go first because I have a different feeling. Really? Yeah. And I think this might make me the villain of the season. But go ahead. I want to hear your positives first. Wow. Death over and over to an individual that he loves. It's what okay uh it just was like like because mm-hmm. for me you know i'm seeing stephen strange so desperately at this point right it's happened he has gone mm-hmm. on he's become sorcerer supreme and it's a two-year anniversary and he gets lost you know so like so like he hasn't really moved on right he's still right. in this grief and he he just gets lost in this memory and mm-hmm. he has the power to do so because of the time stone. Just so desperately clinging to that 
that memory and just everything he tries is just not working and over and over again, having to uh, relive that death. I just, I found that heartbreaking. Yeah. So go ahead, be the villain. All right, here's my turn to be the villain. You know, last week, I think you mentioned coming to terms with realizing that you just don't like the animation style and that's fine. Mm -hmm. I think this episode for me was me coming to terms with not liking the format, at least so far. Because of that short time frame, the feeling of watching Christine die over and over again felt more like they needed to get in as many of those rounds as they could to kind of beat us over the head with it than actually spending time with that realization of having to watch somebody let somebody go like that and fail. So whenever it was happening over and over again, I was with it at first, but by the time we got to the scene where they were in the diner and the gunman walks in while they're eating pizza, mm-hmm. I, I laughed. It felt like a lifetime Whoa. movie. And yeah, like I get the point that they're trying to make. It just, it felt very... I don't know. Like it didn't, it didn't land for me. Like I think it did for other people. And so this is why I feel I'm, like I'm the villain. I'm trying to, so I'm, I'm trying my best to see it from your perspective. Mm-hmm. I think it's just and the, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying my best to see it from your perspective. Cause to me, like I'm mm-hmm. imagining he is looking through all the possibilities and looking for just that one that's different. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. To me, it's it's just because they go through it where he tries to do it differently and then he thinks he's saved and it doesn't happen. That hit hard. It's like, okay, here we go. I understand that he's going to learn the hard way that he can't do it. I think they do it two more times of different variations of like, you know, they decide not to go or they take an alternate route and it just mm-hmm. it keeps happening where they die. And then by yeah. the... the fifth time here we are at the parlor scene and it was like i got it but they just kept going with it and so it didn't it wasn't connecting with me emotionally because i was like you're our like we only have so much time and i get it does that make sense i yeah no if not that's fine (laughs) well it's just it's just because i mean they're trying to establish that like they're trying for me it, it was always the car wreck it was always the mm-hmm. car wreck. And so you finally get them. Oh, well, not always. It was the one where they actually get there and she has the heart mm-hmm. attack. And then, then you had the one where, right. The one you laughed. Yeah. Uh, the gunman. But in other words, they, they do something completely different. Mm-hmm. He stands her up and something happens. And, and so mm-hmm. to me, they were trying to really establish that, that absolute point in time. Yeah. And so that's, and I think I think they had to show other ways, other variations with the same outcome to get that result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. Now, I think I, it's actually, finally official. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's finally official. I have a cold, dead heart, but uh, carry on. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say, this, this here, though, is... It, if there's any place where it's like, I'm letting something go because it's a cartoon, this is where uh-huh. it's at. And I think that's me coming to terms with not connecting with the format. I think if they're going to pull something like that off, because it's not a detriment to animation. Animation can be serious. It can tackle like 
more mature stories, and I'm fine with that. But because these are so short, and because as of right now, they're not continuous storylines, I just, I'm not connecting with it emotionally. And so that part was a bummer. And just to like clarify, this is like, I think the most critical I am of the episode. So, you know, hopefully this is the only act where I get this. Yeah. Uh, negative but yeah. yeah it's just it's not working for me that way yeah well no I which just... sucks because I, last point it sucks because i do like that idea of the corrosion of trying to hold on to the past and how unhealthy it is for strange to be there it just i it, that one aspect of it didn't do it for me right well and here's where i say because it didn't dawn on me till right now the mm-hmm. well well two things a in my note there is this element of like, can an absolute point in time exist in a multiverse? Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, probably not. But the other thing is there is that weird, like this strange is using the time stone to go back to change that. Which case that event is what got him with the time stone. So it's a weird paradox. Yeah. And so like, and I didn't think about it watching it cause it's a cartoon and I just didn't think about that. Yeah, But it is kind of a paradox of like, well, if you do fix this, that's the motivation for you, you know, and maybe that's kind of the absolute point in time Angel One was referring to. Yeah. The idea of like, wait a minute, this happened. So you became here, became the Sorcerer Supreme. And it was dialogue and everything was like, this has to happen so you can become the Sorcerer Supreme. But also it has to happen because you are the Sorcerer Supreme is another way I think we could look at it. Because otherwise he wouldn't yeah. be able to go back and relive these things. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think he even mentions too to the Ancient One, I'm creating a paradox. Like he he was yeah. well aware of it. Yeah. Well, I will say this to add one positive point on it because I know I was coming down pretty harshly. We were talking about voice acting earlier it's very hard to pull off a character exclaiming no like screaming at the sky mm-hmm. and probably even harder in an animated show i think but it did a pretty good job on this one whenever it gets to the end where he realizes that he just can't save her and that did get me a little bit so yeah some points to that okay well you know i'll give you a point for that <laughs> You know, changing out of this topic completely, we've we've talked around about. We, I don't think we've talked about him in particular. I want a show with Wong and Strange just hanging out at the Sanctum Sanctorum. Oh, it yeah. seems like they've got such a great dynamic, but every time they turn around, a world-ending event is happening, and I, I just want to see them hang out. That's that's the next one shot we need. Yeah, Strange and Wong, just like Thor and Daryl. Well, it's just like, you know, Dr. Strange is ruminating, looking out the window and and Wong comes in and he's like, oh, I had to use the little sorcerer's room. And he's like, oh, I'll go put the kettle on before you do anything stupid. Like (laughs) they have such a great dynamic. And, And even that line about him saying, oh, I'll go put the kettle on. I this is where I get tripped up a little bit because I think what I want to pull from it is we know how Wong was very apprehensive about the way Dr. Strange was doing things after he became the Sorcerer Supreme to be. Mm -hmm. But here he fully trusts Strange to be on his own while he goes and starts the kettle and trust that he won't do anything rash with the Time Stone, even though he ends up doing that. But I like that growth of trust on Wong's part. Right. Right. 
I think that's going to wrap it up for Act 1. So moving into Act 2, this is going to take us from the moment that Doctor Strange is in the library of Cagliostro and is training and absorbing all the different mystical creatures to gain knowledge up until the point that he learns that he is only half a man after discussing with Obain. So starting with me this time, the place that I really want to start is just the setting of the library overall. Mm -hmm. You know, think when I was taking notes, I thought about it. Strange really is a character whose strength is more in that ability to learn and to absorb information quickly rather than just conjuring up magic. Uh, It's the same way where like, you know, with Tony, it's not that he's in a suit. It's that he's the mechanic. He's the tinker. This is the true power of who he is. And whenever you think in terms of that for Dr. Strange, putting him in a library of infinite knowledge just feels like such great drama because you're watching a character who's already teetering on the edge of heroics and you get to watch that tightrope as he pursues that knowledge, which isn't bad, but knowing what he ultimately wants to do and that motivation behind it, which is watching somebody walk down a path of demise. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's great, great tension throughout that episode. Mm -hmm. Man, I, I really wonder where that was at. And yeah. like part of me, I, I was curious, like, was that Cagliostro? Um, now, he never called him Cagliostro. There was another name he called him by. Obain? Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I was kind of hoping that would be Cagliostro himself. Yeah. Kind of that whole Yoda, you know, I'm not going to reveal that I'm Yoda Empire Strikes Back thing. Yeah. Right away. Well, he even had the same aloof nature. He's like, and maybe he's there, maybe he's here, maybe he's nowhere. Yeah. And that feels very much like Empire Strikes Back Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Like, I'm, I'm, it, it is, you're 100% right of this, you know, that's, that's what we saw in the movie of Doctor Strange, him using the astral projection, mm-hmm. running and burning through these books so fast, you know, so it makes sense that that's what he would do and that's what we get to see him do. Um, yeah. Well, and it's and I I think what I mentioned earlier, he the similar drive to I lost myself and I got to fix myself, and this I lost Christine and I got to fix this. It's the same drive, you know. It's just the drive is pushing him in another direction. Um, right. It does. It does. I really am curious though where that library was. I don't know why, <laughs> but I was just so fixated on where is he? Where is that? Or I guess more yeah. properly, he said when to the ancient one. Mm-hmm. When was he? Yeah. You know, I do want to butt in here real quick because I had mentioned in the pre-spoiler thoughts or maybe even the banter section about how I had two screens open at once. Uh, there's a scene where Dr. Strange is finally going through the books and he's opening them up and he's reading them. And I, I think he says something like, ah, time manipulation, bingo. And he flips it open. And there was a sign, a very, very prominent red sign in the middle of the book and it triggered a memory, so I opened up Doctor Strange the movie on my iPhone. It's the same uh, glyph, magic, ruin, whatever it mm-hmm. may be, that Kaecilius uses whenever he connects with Dormammu. Mm-hmm. And so that I wanted to confirm that, so hopefully that lived up to the, uh, the expectation yeah. setting and the pre-spoiler thoughts. Yeah. But it also makes me wonder, is this just a fun Easter egg or is there some meaning to derive from the symbols being the same? Because at this point in the story, Doctor Strange has already conquered Dormammu. So I don't know what else that sign would be for. Well, I, I think it's it's the whole tapping into the dark magic uh-huh. that 
the ancient one did to live long that Caecilius did. I, so I, th- I think that's, to me, that would be the connection. Basically the dark side of the yeah. Sorcerer Supremes. Yeah. Hey, man, you got to, we all have the shadow. We got to face our shadows, integrate them to be yeah. whole for all our <laughs> Jungian psychologists out there. Um, <laughs> just saying, you know, we all got it. Although I think technically the shadow is neutral, but anyways, let's not get bogged down uh, on, on that. <laughs> <laughs> It's a story for another day. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, one of the things I found really interesting about this part, and I don't think I caught it the first time, was the gnome. <laughs> like, like I don't think it registered with me of like, he's sizing up in creatures, right? Yeah. Learning how to absorb. And the first creature was this evil gnome. Yeah. Where in the world is this evil gnome come from in the Marvel universe. <laughs> My guess, somewhere in Ant-Man. I bet you anything, if we watch an Ant-Man movie, there's a shot of a gnome. Uh, and all yeah. this time, it was an evil gnome, and we just, just didn't, didn't know, know it. <sighs> Man. <laughs> you know, I, I like how he gets the cape. Yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was a different cape, but he he got his cape. And then, that was the same creature, right? I'm going to read my notes. Jude called it with the tentacle monster being connected between episodes. That was 100% the same monster as it was in Captain Carter. Yeah. Yeah. So you get points for that. Yep. You know, if there is an overarching plot, I'm putting my money that that creature is central to it somehow. Because it cannot be a coincidence that the two portals that open up, the first one with Captain Carter and now this one with Doctor Strange... Mm -hmm. It's it's the identical tentacle monster. So yeah. there's something there for sure. The identical tentacle? The the identical tentacle. <laughs> and other <More> children's <laughs> books. And other children's <laughs> books. Oh man. But right next to a, a monster at the end of the book. Identical tentacle. <laughs> oh. But yeah, no, I I'm we're gonna see we're gonna see that again. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, and and while we're here talking about the creatures that Doctor Strange faced off against. I had two thoughts. One, watching him go against all those mystical creatures is further proof that I want my roguelike Doctor Strange game. It would be perfect. And I, I really want that to be a reality now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Like, you already have... I mean, I've, we've talked about it in previous episodes, but you have the idea of, like, certain runs in a video game being a different timeline that he's exploring mm-hmm. and then now you have all these creatures that are just the perfect fodder for going against in these runs yeah you level up learn new spells yeah somebody make it happen you know the other thing that i wanted to really highlight here is the the whole act of dr strange powering up is by absorbing these creatures and all of this is in pursuit to be powerful enough to change the absolute point in time where he can save christine and it is, like I said, despite the, the beginning parts not really working for me, there is some kernel of that deterioration of watching somebody cling to the past that I think is a really interesting hook. Watching him turn into these horrible creatures as he absorbs them is just really nice because you're watching mm-hmm. him sacrifice his humanity for it. And oh, he yeah. will be questioned head on of like, is this worth it? But you do get to see it up to that point. And so it's just nice visual storytelling. Oh, what is it? I'm going to say this, and I hope I somebody's going to correct me. 
but it's it's like the the picture of Dorian Gray. Yeah. Where Dorian Gray is the subject of like this portrait. And Dorian is infatuated with this beauty and the and I'm going to get it wrong and my wife is going to be upset cuz she loves Oscar Wilde. But essentially it's like the that he's fascinated with this beauty and there's this picture but the but while the picture looks beautiful i think he himself becomes distorted Mm -hmm. and and it it is basically like this you know selling the soul and trying to stay young kind of kind of thing and just as i like cringe when people screw things up i know there's people who probably know more about this than what i just did and are cringing and it's okay Uh, (laughs) listen i just talked about not being emotionally affected by watching someone be gunned down in a pizza parlor you're fine (laughs) So, but, but it, it, it has that idea and reminds me of that. Right. And this whole idea of, you know, the, the choices we make, um, to accomplish things matter, right. The actions we take matter. It's, uh, you talk about this with my students all the time, right. Intentions make a, make a, make a difference and mm-hmm. why you want to do the things you do. And then, and that just becomes to start to distort who you are and you lose sight of that. And and the and the thing that especially with cartoons, um, and ani- or not cartoons but animated stuff or whatever, the ability to visually show that was fantastic. Yeah, and you know, playing off that a little bit more, another one of the notes I took is whenever, because the way it happens in the episode is Doctor Strange summons the tentacle monster first, and he just tries to borrow his power and is immediately done away with. And then he wakes up and he has a conversation with Obang where Obang is lecturing on him about the path that he is currently on. And Mm -hmm. he delivers a line of, there's a fine line between devotion and delusion. And I mean, that's the thesis of this episode summed up in one sentence is this watching this person sacrifice so much of who they are to get this thing that they think they want. And it's a tragedy watching that... Doctor Strange, despite I, that love coming from a real place, it has now been reframed as this challenge to prove how much she meant to him. So rather than ever learning to let go, he's just stuck in this hole that he keeps digging further and further. And it's just really sad. To me, that's mm-hmm. that's where the emotional, heavy yeah. aspect of this episode came from. Right. You know, I mentioned in the first act how we were watching this tiptoeing of the watcher as he gets closer and closer to wanting to intervene. We straight up have it here in this second act as Doctor Strange is dealing with the effects of absorbing all the different creatures and the tolls that it's taking on his body. We cut to the watcher who's talking about like, should I intervene? Should I let him know he's making a mistake? What would it matter? Mm -hmm. I can't do this. And then Doctor Strange like looks over his shoulder and goes, hello, can you imagine being somebody who is as powerful as the Watcher, having doubts in your belief, and then having that insecurity being audibly recognized by someone who's supposed to be so far outside your realm? Right. That like, that gave me chills, like just that concept of it, Mm -hmm. because it's like, it's showing how strong Doctor Strange has become and also bringing the Watcher down a peg from the all-powerful status that he had going into this show. Well, it's interesting because he said, the Watcher said, I'm not a god. Yeah. Man, he has very godlike traits, I maybe put, to be able to be outside and watch that way across across universes, Mm -hmm. multiverses. 
you know, so that, that is interesting. And I, and we've talked about the more involvement, the more involvement, the more involvement. And I liked how you picked up on the doubt. Yeah. And, and for me, it seemed kind of like frustration. Yeah. Like, Hey, I want to do something. Well, it was a mix. It was like, I want to do something, but I can't, but also like this frustration of like, you've been warned, dude, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> kind of frustration. Right. Well, you know what he reminds me of? It's that trope in storytelling where there is a person from, say, a fantastical side of a given universe who is obsessed with the mundane. And the easiest example I can think of is Arthur Weasley from the Harry Potter world. Mm -hmm. He was obsessed with non-magic folks, trivial life things, and he didn't have a certain understanding of it, but he was still mesmerized by it. I feel like that's the trope we're seeing here with the Watcher, where he's a little bit more all-knowing than someone like Arthur Weasley, but it is that fixated fascination with the mundane, which, given the status of the Watcher, something that the Doctor Strange is doing can be mundane to him across a multiverse. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I found this interesting. He said... The the watcher said he'd risk the safety of all others. Yeah. Uh, if he if he did like he's like even if I could change it, it would risk the safety of all others. I'm assuming he's talking about that would risk the other multiverses, so they would have to be connected in some way. Because otherwise, like that reality is collapsing anyways. So I'm curious right. as to what connective tissue or what point they're pushing towards to show these multiverse connections. Because clearly he's jumping from one to the next. So so there is this connective tissue that I'm assuming is about going to be revealed. Identical tentacles. That's right. There it is. <laughs> there it is. It's no longer uh, multiverse threads. It's identical tentacles. That's right. <laughs> and every time they oh, chop man. one off... A multiverse dies. <laughs> it's kind of like the I whole like one... an angel an angel gets his wings. A multiverse dies. <laughs> you know, I have one more thing to bring up in this act before we move on, and it is the moment where Doctor Strange has become incredibly powerful, and he discovers that Obang is passing away, and the first instinct that Strange has is to use the time stone to save Obang, but Obang stops him. And they have a really good conversation of the themes we're talking about of letting go. And Obang says, even in our world, death is part of the plan. I enjoy this line a lot because if you remember in the beginning of the episode, one of the ways that we learn that Strange is a lot more humble than the one we're used to is Christine's like, you performed this surgery and this person lived. You did it successfully. And Strange says, yeah, well, that was part of the plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that callback between the lines is hammering home that point of what the heart of what Strange is doing is not wrong. He is trying to fix things. He's trying to help. But... Again, I guess I keep using this word. The tragedy is Strange doesn't realize there's a difference in helping people because you truly are helping them or quote unquote helping people because it's making you feel better. And it's it's that horror that this is what Strange thinks he wants, but it's just it's 
it's a lesson he can't learn. And I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm frustrated watching someone being so close to learning it and they just can't. You couldn't see how big my head was nodding when you said that. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, you know, just, just this. Awesome. Yeah. You hit it spot on. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, go back to the beginning where it's like the drive, you know, in the movie, losing his hands, that was his identity. He lost who he was. Right. And he was trying to reclaim that. And he had to learn this humility, but also learn that he was never going to be that person anymore. And now this is who I am and this is how I'm going to help people. And this, his drive to fix things was because he lost someone rather than himself. Yeah. And so what we see here is him losing himself in the process of trying to save others. Yeah. And my note here is that sometimes the hardest person to reason with is ourselves. You know, the, that we just can't sometimes and strange clearly couldn't. Oh man, it's tough. (laughs) Well, I think that's going to wrap up act two. I feel like we've been tiptoeing a bit into act three. So let's go ahead and jump into it, which this act is going to take us from the quote unquote, good Dr. Strange confronted by the ancient ones echo all the way through to the end of the episode. So, Jude, we're starting with you again. Uh, is there anywhere you'd like to start in this act? I find it fascinating that in the end, he had to absorb himself to pull off what he wanted to do. But bringing that other side of himself is what helped him, after it was too late, realize that he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. So, yeah. it's the Ancient One's fault for, like, splitting them. You know, it's so funny you said that because you asked me earlier, what do you think the choice was? And I don't think you can say the choice was the ancient ones splitting them because too many deviations had already happened before. But it does make me wonder if there's anything prior that the ancient one did because I don't know. It just it's this feeling of the ancient one being a bad mentor. How many times mm-hmm. did she need to let him suffer through realizing he can't change an absolute point before she's like, "Hey, no, you can't do that." Yeah, yeah. So that's really funny that you said that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what it took, you know. And I mean, you think the the split and there's two stranges, and I mean, I guess right. The the only one powerful enough to stop strange is strange, so you get another strange. Right, but. But the show clearly split, you know, and here's your yin and yang, right? The dark and the good side, or what I've said earlier, the Jungian shadow. What are you capable of and confronting yourself and integrating that? And and so you can be whole. In, In one way, you could read it and say, well, he didn't have the opportunity. Strange didn't have that opportunity to do so because the ancient one split him. Yeah. And then once he did, it was too late. So maybe in this universe, it was always supposed to be that way. And that's why the TVA didn't step in. (laughs) Well, you know, outside the TVA, I think you're circling in a space that I don't quite know how to articulate how I'm feeling because it worked for me that I understand that the quote unquote good strange isn't our protagonist. And what we're really watching is a character fail, which is the quote unquote bad strange who makes the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. But splitting the stranges into two timelines, are we seeing the pitfalls and dealing in a multiverse? 
we're it's what does it matter if one character makes the wrong choice if you just sidestep to the next universe and this character has made the right choice and it threw me for a loop watching both of them in the same timeline exist oh and so I'm okay with it because it isn't the quote unquote good Strange's storyline, but it did feel a little weird. Right. I'll be honest. My thought was, oh, this is the Strange that helped Spidey in the trailer. <laughs> That's my honest thought my first time through. And then uh-huh. when the whole world just collapsed on him, I was like, whoa. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, this, uh... so yeah. This episode became one of those problems that took care of itself. There <laughs> right? Was no remnants of it. And it felt like like we, we still heard his voice at the end. Like Strange wasn't gone. Like he was yeah. alone in just this singularity that will be internal. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to hammer home what you were talking about because it was it was a note that I wrote down too. I was shocked that this episode ended so heavily. Because he is trapped there in that little purple crystallized sphere where he's just chanting, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Having somebody, like, you know, we talked about it, What? how does somebody who lose their heart get humbled? He got humbled on a scale that is indescribable where the universe is gone because of him and he now has to live with that. Yeah. And the way that plays out into the credits, where it's just very melancholy, very quiet music, it just hit hard. Yeah, it it was interest. It was interesting watching it a second time, knowing where it was going. Yeah, and especially because again, I talked about how the quote unquote good strange is not a protagonist. There's the moment where they are fighting, and the evil strange traps him in that test where he conjures up Christine and she offers him everything that he wants. Mm -hmm. And you see that good strange is being tempted by it. He is feeling like, Oh yeah, this could be a possibility. And then he sees a flash of Wong and he sees a flash of New York deteriorating the sky. And he did the right thing. We watched the person overcome the struggle and still didn't succeed. And it's you have to watch that be set in motion as it gets to the end point where our evil strange learns the horrible lesson. Mm-hmm. And so on that second watch, it's it's unbearable. Yeah. You're watching like a, a train crash. Yeah. And we keep using the evil strange. He really wasn't evil. He had some pretty... He had the typical like darkened eyes and like very well, like visually right or distinguishing on. between them but like we're talking about someone who is dealing with with grief on a particular level because he watched his heart die multiple times and get shot in a restaurant right in front of him and yeah and wanting to to bring that that person back for simplicity's sake yes the evil strange but th- but there's also this this feeling bad for him in that he's not Thanos, you know, or maybe Thanos might not be the right example, but you know what I mean? Like he's not your typical evil villain here. Yeah. It's what we talked about before. It's a, I I guess the simplest way to put it. No, I can't say that because antagonist or protagonist has nothing to do with morality. Um, And this one would be our protagonist. But it, it's it's a character who is not aligned with 
your your ideas of what's right, but you still understand them. Yeah. Like that's that's what makes those characters succeed because even though you don't necessarily agree with what they're doing, you see the you see the work. You see where they're coming from and why where they're trying to get to. And I think that's what I, I guess to put it in for me, I understand what you're saying about like it's not a hundred percent fair to call him evil strange. Right. Because it is like go back to the Yankee and Shadow, because it is you. It's that mm-hmm. side of you that, that you're capable of that. And can you accept that you're capable of that? Mm-hmm. And I like I mean, because I think you've already mentioned it before, like how fitting is it a strange versus strange having to literally reconcile with yourself, uh, you know, that fight. Like, I like that it does stem from that inability to let go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mis- misguided strange, if I can change the way I refer to him now, the misguided strange, he even says, I'm too far to change now, right after the quote unquote good strange says you need to let go. So it is the the literal manifestation of that internal turmoil between them two. Yeah. And it was really fun to get to watch that fight. Yeah. Cause stepping back on a more like superficial level of this episode, I've been looking forward to this since the trailers came out because I think one, Dr. Strange is perfect to deal in concepts of a multiverse, but two, his power set, it lends itself wonderfully to animation. So watching them go back and forth was just visually stunning. Yes, it was. You're and you're you're dead on on that. You know, the last note I have is something we already kind of touched on, but just to to bring it back here at the end of this act. If the watcher doesn't interfere with this, how bad do things have to get for him to actually interfere? Because we watched an entire universe get snuffed out, and he just said, "No, I won't help you." But I also took it that he wasn't able to. Hmm. Is that is that not how it goes? What, what what do you mean? Like like you don't do you not think that that was the case? Uh I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm trying to remember the dialogue. Doesn't he say like something I can't even if I wanted to or does he just say like it's too late and backs away? I thought he said I can't even if I wanted to. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe maybe you're right, and he just even if he wanted to, he couldn't. That's that's the way I took it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this Act Three, which will bring us into our stray thoughts, which is going to be our catch-all for anything that didn't fit into the discussions we just had. So, starting with me this time, <laughs> I've been praising him throughout the episode, but I just want to say one more time. Wong remained steadfast and was offering wonderful advice and guidance to Dr. Strange as he was deteriorating. Mm-hmm. And that is just, Wong is like MVP, I think, oh, of this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. My other stray thought is, in that first episode we did, I praised the lighting of the episode, like just the animation style, the way they're able to cast light just looks wonderful. Mm-hmm. This episode in particular, when Strange arrives in the jungle and the light's just pouring through the fauna, that was incredibly beautiful. And it builds to the moment where he steps out into the opening and you see the library and it's just gorgeous. And I love what they're doing here with lighting. Yes. Yeah. Those are my stray thoughts. Yeah, those are good. I want to, my, my first stray thought, I want to just go right after you. I've mentioned how I'm not a fan of the animation style. 
this episode, yeah. the animation style didn't bother me. I'm not sure why. Do you think that speaks to the quality of this episode in particular, or is the style growing on you? I feel like the style might have fit the tone of this episode better. Is is kind of what I'm what I'm kind of circling around is is a thought right now. I got gotcha. you. Uh, because I, it just the the animation style didn't really take me out of it the way it did in the others. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there I mentioned this before. It didn't feel as cartoony. I didn't feel like you had as many of the cartoon lines. Yeah, you know I'm right with you on Wong being MVP. Last stray thought: it was the flugelhorn, and the song was "Feels So Good" <laughs> by Chuck Mangonio, M A N G I O N E. And it was the flugelhorn. The flugelhorn is a type of trumpet or a cornet. Well, hey. Which I, in you, sixth and seventh and eighth grade, I played the trumpet, so I should know. I and when I say I should know, you. that's not like a mic drop. I'm saying, like, I should I should have known. Like, I, I shouldn't have questioned myself. <laughs> that, that was not a mic drop. I, sh- I should know. It was like, I should have known. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, now I'm curious what the uh, the Dr. Seuss instrument is I'm thinking of. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll have it by next episode. <laughs> That's it. That's my last stray thought. Fantastic. Well, you know, we mentioned it earlier at the beginning of the episode where, you know, part of the reason for following us on social media is a chance to hear some of your first reactions in the episode. So we're going to take some time here. Uh, to read the submissions we got over on our Instagram stories. So uh, the first one comes from friend Daniel, which just reads harsh with an exclamation <laughs> point. Uh, our next one comes from newtype.nova. I thought it was amazing. They just keep getting better and better. I wish they were longer. I'm with them on that one. I wish they were longer. I do too. I think the increased length would help sell me on some of the moments like the pizza parlor a little bit more Mm -hmm. finally last one comes in from our pod friend tk mixed thoughts on first viewing looking forward to watching it again Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. i think i i think i'm a little bit closer to her on that one as well um it really does take me a couple watches to finally kind of get into the rhythm of what they are doing each week yeah well and again it just went so dark that the mm-hmm. others didn't, you know, like, so like MCU rewinds tweet theory of like, Oh, this is like best case scenario. Not in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, it depends on what MCU rewind think is a best case. <sighs> I wonder what they feel about Dr. Strange. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that is, we didn't need this. We didn't need the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Got rid of him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the universe is looking up. But yeah, we just wanted to thank all those that shared their thoughts on this episode. It was really fun to get to read those here. And if you're listening and you'd like to do the same, make sure you're following us at MC You Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be reaching out to people to share what they thought of the episode there. And if you want more of this show, you can find some extra bonus content that is being put up on those feeds that does not make the cut of the episode. Uh, a lot of great stuff there. There was one we put out this week with something that we recorded before we actually quote unquote started the episode. And it was really funny. So if you want to see that, make sure you're following us. 
Of course, there's a Discord link in the show notes. And once you join there, you'll get to have regular conversations with us and many others. It's a great community here, all interested in the MCU. Make sure you go to the roll aside and click on the eye emojis, which gets you access to all the spoiler channels. Also, leave a rating and review on whatever podcast catcher you're using. Feedback is always helpful to us. And the best thing you can do for the pod is share with a friend. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. Record. I am recording. I am recording. Okay, so here we go. You ready? Oh, wow, that's quick. Yep. <laughs> One. Two. Three. <laughs> go. <laughs> what was the giggle? Because I was thinking when I said, oh, wow, quick, I, co- I totally forgot about syncing up. I thought you were about to launch into the MCU. Welcome back to the MCU. You need to know. Like... <laughs> It's like, dude, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I what's completely so forgot funny, that, oh, we need to sync up. <laughs> what's so funny, there was a small part of me that's like, I should throw Jude a curveball just immediately go, hello, and welcome back to another episode. <laughs> so that's you what I thought you were about to, to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. I mean, I'm prepared. Like, I already have my outline. I have the stop the, the stopwatch ready to go. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. let's rock and roll. Like, I... <laughs> Well, what I've learned this week is you're psychic, apparently, and you have a haunted car. So that's like, it's a very supernatural yes. week for you. Oh my gosh, that was freaky. That, I, your reaction was gold. Oh damn, it did go. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So, yep. Freaky stuff, man. Mm-hmm.